Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this show, we bring together conversation and expertise. My name is Jeff Way, and I'm the founder of Perfect Imbalance, the first podcast to challenge the myth of work-life balance and explore alternatives for improving overall well-being. Each week, I'll be interviewing different thought leaders, elite sports performers and entrepreneurs to understand how they are achieving happiness, success and greater fulfilment in their lives. So here's to you, the listeners, joining us each week. Welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this episode, I share my interview with Jordan Gross, executive coach at Cloud9 Living, whose purpose is to light people up. A two-time author, three-time company founder, and also a TEDx speaker, Jordan is currently on a mission to appear on 90 shows in 90 days, which includes this one. On this episode, we discuss Cloud9 Living and discovering those moments that truly light us up. We talk about the aha moment, not following your passion. And of course, we kick off by talking about work-life balance. Here's Jordan. Jordan, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to come on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to spend some time with you today. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I can't wait to to chat today. I'm very excited. I know it's the middle of your day, but this is great for me, starting my day on a high note. It's about 8.30 here in New York City, and can't wait to start the day on a high and and have a great chat. Well, good man, and I do appreciate your time today. Uh, Jordan, like like with most of my guest interviews, um, I like to dive straight in and understand from a guest perspective what their thoughts are on work-life balance. So we'll start yeah. there with you. What, what's your thoughts on work-life balance? Well, first and foremost, Jeff, I do want to say thank you for your time. And I'm sure we'll dive into this in a little bit. But just so your audience knows, Jeff and I connected on an absolute whim. We have no idea who each other are, and except for the, the five-minute conversation we had before this. But uh, I'm on a, a little bit of a podcast journey right now, trying to go on 90 podcasts in the next 90 days to really show the grit and resilience and determination it takes to start something from the ground up. And Jeff just reached out to me and he said, Hey, like would love to support. So it really takes a, a, a true um, testament to your character. It's a true testament to your character uh, being willing to have me on your show. So thank you for that. Back to your question. Um, Work life balance for me. I've thought about this a lot and I actually hate that word. I'm sorry. Um, I, like, I, me, I love the fact that you hate that word. <laughs> because for me, it's not work-life balance. It's work-life integration. It's a work-life feedback loop. Um, I listened to an interview once from Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, and he, he also said he doesn't like that work-life balance term because he wants, he wants work and life to work in tandem rather than have to be on different sides of the balancing scale, right? He wants everything you do in your work life to flow into your home life. He wants your home life to flow into your work life. Um, And the way that you're going to do that is by having an alignment between what you enjoy outside of work and what you're actually doing inside of work. 
So that's where the integration comes from. And that's actually what I have spent the last two years of my life trying to explore for myself and then trying to implement for other people is how can we create work that for a cliche term doesn't feel so much like work. It, it's true. And, you know, I do like the fact that you don't like the term work-life balance because <laughs> I, I openly agree with that. And, and this, you know, in terms of my own journey, I've spent two years really struggling to, to find this balance and because that's what I thought the option was and I wasn't clear on any alternatives. And, you know, I've talked about Jeff Bezos and, and his mm. thoughts around work-life integration because it makes more sense. The model of work-life balance for me is one of those models that's now outdated, but in a lot of cases, we're not sure what to replace it with. I think if you can find something that you love and enjoy, it does feel less like work, but the reality is it's still work. Um, yeah. So I'm always pleased when guests have a yeah. different view because that's what I want. So thank you, Jordan. Now for yeah. those, those listeners wondering who you are, um, and what you do and intrigued to find out more. Can you describe what it is you do and why people want to interact with you, follow you, get involved with the kind of things that you're, you're doing at the moment? Yeah, of course. Um, and by the way, I just want to go back to the work-life balance conversation one more time because I, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about this, there has to be a change in, in the way that society is moving, right? And then I think about a guy like my, my own dad, right, who he, is, he could not be further from the way that I view work and work-life balance, right? Like he has his own law firm and he works, at, he wakes up at 6.30 every morning, he gets on a train, goes to work. He works from, you know, 8 a.m. until 5, 6 p.m. He gets on a train and he comes back home, right? And it's funny because he's, to me, he's the nicest guy in the world. He, he's the greatest guy alive. But, uh, you know, he's in a position at his law firm where he's actually a collection attorney. So he has to collect money. Like I almost call it like a legal uh, bookie where he's like shaking people down, trying to get the money that they owe to, to get the debtors to pay back the money that they owe. Um, so I would have to assume that the way he is at work is a little bit different from this you know, genuine, amazing guy at home, right? So I'm going to say that my views, I don't think that they should apply to everybody because there are obviously professions out there and there are people who are from different backgrounds and in different situations and have different opportunities available for them where they're going to have to create a different type of work and life situation. So I just want to put that out there. Like, take it with a grain of salt that I think everybody is different. I'm not trying to relay a certain message to every single person, but I do believe as we change more as a culture and we have the opportunity, especially for somebody my age to make the choice as to what work and life should look like. I would just say that this route that I am pushing people to take, which will lead into my background and what I do now in one moment. Um, I would say that is going to be the meaningful and purposeful and fulfilling choice to make it, it's true and, and i'd echo that in terms of my own research when i went out and asked people what work-life balance meant to them you won't be surprised that it meant something different to, to everybody mm -hmm. so i think mm -hmm. i think the more the more options that are presented to people or if they feel they've got two or three other options as opposed to the traditional model 
then they can make a better choice for them. Right. It will, it will always come back to them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right. Cool. So I just, I wanted to make sure I threw that in there because I was thinking and I was like, you know what? Like I can say what I want to say, but then there's so many people out there who are just like, no, like you're just a kid, you know, but I wanted to make it clear that I understand all these different perspectives and viewpoints. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we mentioned my age a couple of times. I'm 24 years old. I, I went to Northwestern University in Chicago. Um, I was a guy who basically it was school and sports. My sport was soccer. So I played in college for a little bit. And then after that, it was, you know, get good grades and get a good internship. And for me, it was really going down the traditional path. It was investment banking, finance world, a little bit of consulting. Um, but I never decided that those were really going to be the routes for me. I continued on in my education. I started a couple things, some more uh, charity type organizations, a couple startup ideas. Uh, and I went on to get a master's in management studies where I was learning all about leadership and things like that. So after school, I got a position at a big time restaurant group where I was a leader at 23 years old, leading people three times my age. I was making a very stable and comfortable salary. Um, and it was a very prestigious position. But four months in, I kind of took a step back and said, whoa, like I am not making anywhere near the impact that I want to make. So left that. Uh, I ended up writing my first book. I self-published a book called Getting Comfy, Your Morning Guide to Daily Happiness, which is a morning routine that helps people overcome stress and anxiety and really focuses on optimism and positivity. And fast forwarding to now, what I do now, like really answering your question, I know I keep sort of uh, weaving around it, but uh, what I do now is it's that same sentiment of how can we focus on the positive? How can we be optimistic? And uh, how can we implement our curiosities and our passions into our everyday lives so that we are finding work uh, that is meaningful, that is fulfilling, that is aligned with our purpose. And that is by something that I'm doing called Cloud9 Living. So that's my company where I work with people and I, I walk them through a process where it's very difficult to find what truly lights you up, but try my best to help people get to that position in their lives. And that's one end of things. And then I also, I have this deep seated purpose within me to write and share stories. So the journey to cloud nine is also a fiction book where I am allowing people to interpret for themselves, um, based off of the story that I tell the cloud nine life and the cloud nine life that you are supposed to lead. Right. So I've done a lot of interviews with people about their cloud nine experiences and their cloud nine moments. And it's basically these, these pinnacle of happiness type experiences. So you, if you think about it from a grandiose life perspective, a cloud nine moment is a wedding. It's when your child is born. It's when you have a grandchild. It's something career related, like a, accomplishing a huge career goal, things like that. But then what I'm also trying to help people do is implement a little bit more quickly and on an everyday basis. So cloud nine moments can just be something that you can look forward to each and every single day, much, you know, much like a family dinner or uh, a 10, 10 minutes of just deep meditation, right? It's these daily actions that we all have that we can say, wow, like this is going to be an amazing day. That's what I'm working on at the moment. It's fascinating. And, and I love the energy that you have behind that. Where did the name and the concept of Cloud9 living come from, Jordan? Oh, I am so glad you asked because I've got story upon story for that. 
And it's funny, Jeff, too, because people ask me, well, like, do you have an aha moment, right? Or what was that light bulb that said, like, oh, you're going to do this getting comfy book? Like, what is that? You're going to quit your job? And at first, I always say, my aha moment was the realization that I didn't need an aha moment to take control of my life and actually get started on the journey that I wanted to take, right? So that was the original story, but actually with Cloud9, it was much different. And there was this perfectly beautiful alignment of the stars that got me going. So here's the story. It was, uh, this was November, 2018. So just a couple of months ago. And I was, I'm, I'm in New York City. So I live sort of midtown and then I went to a friend's house downtown. So I had to take the FDR and drive along the East River. So I had a great day there, spent a wonderful day talking to friends, watching American football. Unfortunately, it was not a, a football, football kind of day. But, um, you know, it was just one of those kind of dreary days where we, we hung out inside all day, slow roasted a pork shoulder, talked about some, you know, like real guy stuff. But we also opened up. We talked about life, talked about love. We talked about death because um, one of, uh, an acquaintance had just passed away. And it was a very introspective kind of day. And on the ride home, like I said, I was driving down the FDR in an Uber on the East River, and I saw a boat. And I looked closer at the boat, and the boat was called Cloud Nine. So at this point, I had never even thought about that phrase as a phrase for positivity or happiness or, or something that I could present to other people. I thought more of it, you know, just in passing if I ever heard about it. But instead of just sitting in the back of that Uber ride, and being silent, right? I'm always somebody who wants to have a conversation with the Uber driver, right? So take him out of his his day to day, his norm, and really, you know, open open up. So I said to him, like, "Hey, man, I just saw a boat that is called Cloud Nine. I love that word and that phrase. Like, what does Cloud Nine mean to you?" And Jeff, his answers were incredible, and he's going into detail about his wedding day, like I mentioned, the day he had children, like I mentioned. But he's also talking about the day that he was able to leave his home country and come to America, the day that he was actually able to make enough money in America to go back to his home country, see his family. He was talking about moments from his childhood where he had this, this uninterrupted playfulness that he could, you know, he could look back upon and just remember how cloud nine he was feeling at that time, right? So he had all these little anecdotes. And to me, that light bulb went off and I said, wow, I need to create a story where I am sharing to other people these cloud nine experiences. And something else that he said was, I think about my life and I think, had I been living a life that the people around me were living and my society expected me to live, um, I would never have experienced these cloud nine types of moments, right? So actually in my book and what cloud nine is all about is I present a juxtaposition with the protagonist in which you're able to see the life that he did live, which was according to society and the people around him. And ultimately it led him to, almost, to a state of depression and isolation. But I put that side by side with his cloud nine life, the life that he could have lived where all of those scenarios he experienced in his real life, he decided to take a different route. He took the road less traveled and he chose based on his heart and his intuition. So that's where the name cloud nine comes from. And there's just been so many amazing, amazing little coincidences that 
have occurred with the Cloud9 name and the Cloud9 theme. I can go into the stories if you want, but I think I'll I'll cut it off there for you, you know, to ask questions or whatever. What a what a fantastic story. And what I like most about that is that you your aha moment was the realization that you you didn't need an aha moment. And I think there's a lot of emphasis mm-hmm. people put on that. And and I'm I'm curious when I interview mm-hmm. people to want to understand how you've arrived at this point because mm-hmm. clearly there is a story mm-hmm. and, and and that that's really resonated with me because i think sometimes we we're caught up either waiting or or wanting that that moment to happen whereas actually for you it was more about having that realization and then realizing you could take control and, and deciding yeah. to do something different yeah jeff and and i love that i love that you're thinking about that that phrase because I wanted an aha moment so badly when I was quitting my job, right? And and it sounds terrible, but you know, I I sort of immersed myself in the personal growth and development world before I quit my job and I was listening to podcasts and reading books and I think you just having an awareness for this world. Uh so I was listening to people like, you know, some of my idols, you know, Hal Elrod, who he literally died and had to come back to life to realize like, okay, it's time for me to take control of my life. Or he was suffering a tremendous amount of financial struggle. And he had to say like, okay, now I need to take control of my life. Or Tony Robbins speaks about his childhood growing up where he was abused, right? And he, he had to take control of his life and, and really lead a life that was going to be the total opposite of his childhood, right? Um, I think we hear so many of these stories where tragedy has to strike or there has to be some significant mindset shift in order to actually deviate from the path that you're going to take. And for me, it was just hearing these stories and realizing like, God forbid I ever experience anything like this. Like I've been tremendously fortunate to have had a, a overall like very blessed upbringing. Um, so I don't want to wait for that thing to happen. You know, I want to do it now. And I want to have the mindset where if, you know, that thing does happen, I want to be able to handle it. Right. So that's why I want to do everything now and focus on this now rather than wait. Right. I fear the what if so much more than I actually fear the what, you know, I I, I love it. I love it. And I I want to take you back and explore um, a little with you, what, what you were saying around purpose and yeah. It, it, it's one of those things right now that has become a hot topic that, that yeah. more and more people are, are talking about, either, you know, from a, a Maslow hierarchy, if you like, that self-actualization, mm-hmm. or, or yeah. finding purpose in what we do. Jordan, why, why is, is finding purpose in, in your mind, why has that become more important right now uh, in society, in the world? Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so... I think that's a wonderful question. And for me, I'll take this question two ways. And my first answer, I don't know if it's right, but my first answer is because of social media and the way that information is able to spread from where you are in the UK to where I am in New York City within less than a millisecond, right? We're able to see what each other are doing. We're able to follow our biggest influences we're able to receive a viral video of somebody, you know, living according to the life that they want to live, right? And I think with more of these highlight reel type of social media presences, the more people out there want to 
find and discover what it is that can create their own highlight reel. So that's why, you know, having this passion or doing something you love is so present and, and relevant right now. I think it's because we're seeing people who are successes in their own right because of something that they did that they loved and continue to pursue. So I would say overall, that would be my best explanation. But I want to, I want to also, uh, I definitely want to qualify that with my thoughts on, on purpose and passion, especially as somebody who is helping people try to find it. Right. So I'll give you a quick story. And do you, are you familiar with the, the American author, Elizabeth Gilbert? She wrote the book called eat, pray, love. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk on a podcast the other day and here was a woman who was for 10, 15 years of her life after eat, pray, love, she was going on stage and she was talking about how she followed her passion and her passion was writing and she wrote and she wrote and she wrote. And this is what happened. She's now has this wonderful life and she gets to tell other people about how they can follow their passion to live a wonderful life. But then she got an email after one of her talks and the email said, Hey Liz, I came to your talk wanting to get inspired. Right. But I don't think I've ever felt worse about myself now. And the reason for that is because you and so many other people talk about passion. Like it's this thing that we have to find or else our life is going to be meaningless. Right. So I'm a smart person. This is what the email said. I'm a smart person. I have been successful in my life, but I don't think it's been because I've found a passion. And you talk about passion like it's something so obvious. You know, it is this burning desire within me. It's the last thing I think about before I go to sleep. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up. And I think that if I had a passion, I would realize what that is. I think I'd be able to know what that is, but I just don't think I have one. So Elizabeth Gilbert thought about this message and she said, you know what? I don't really want to talk about passion anymore because I think passion for some people is not going to, it's not going to be this light at the end of the tunnel. And I actually think the journey through the tunnel in order to find passion is now adding more stress, more anxiety to some people's lives. And I want to be able to talk to everybody, not just somebody who's able to find a passion. I want to talk to that person who doesn't necessarily have a passion. So this is what I believe as well, Jeff, like me as Jordan Gross. I, I truly believe that it's not really about pursuing passion just yet. I think just like Elizabeth Gilbert says in the rest of her speech, I think it's about exploring curiosity. I think it's about diving in just a little bit to something that turns your head, right? If there's a video that you see and you want to explore a little bit further, you do your research. You have a conversation with somebody in that world, right? And that's how you start to, little by little, develop a passion is by exploring these curiosities. And then once you have a passion, you can even further immerse yourself and make it a purpose, right? So that's what I think, that, that is the disclaimer I will put around passion, is that it's not this beyond end all thing that you need, but having curiosities, I think, are something that is going to be super influential on the growth process of any person. Because you're just going to be able to learn from so many different things, right? Because if you think about it, if you explore curiosity and you end up loving it, right? Then you know what it takes for anything else in your life. There are reasons why you love that one thing. But even if you explore curiosity and you end up hating it, 
then you understand what you don't like. So that's what I'll say with that. Um, and that is why I, I love talking about passion. I, and I put, I put implementable steps in place in order to find passion and purpose. But I will say it's not for every single person. So don't feel like if you're out there and you don't think that there's a purpose for a passion for you, that you need to really be stressed out about it. Such wise words from <laughs> somebody of, of your age. And, and that, that's a compliment. That, that's, Thank you. It's not often you are engaged as I am right now at, at the level that, you know, what you've just described there. And it, again, it makes, it makes perfect sense. It's a little bit like the aha moment. If you're sat there waiting for it to happen and you don't know what it is and you can't articulate it, then the likelihood is it's just going to pass you by. Mm. Uh, but actually taking something so simple as being a little bit curious yeah, and then seeing where that leads you to and what that mm. allows you to do. Um, yeah. Is, is is a great bit of advice for, for people to take away. Yeah, and I love that. I love that speech from Elizabeth Gilbert. It's great. If you want to listen to it, it's on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, her podcast. I'm a big fan of Oprah, actually, but I've not yeah. listened to that episode, so I will. Thank you very much. Yeah. Jordan, have there been any other encouragers, supporters, great teachers along your journey so far? You've talked about uh, some people. You've talked about your your dad as well, and I suspect uh-huh. he's been a great teacher in in this journey so far. Have there been others that that have had an impact on you? Yeah. So, people in my life are everything, and relationships in my life are everything. So, yes, I mentioned my dad, but obviously, my mom is is probably my biggest influence, and my parents. I'll say this about my parents and about parents in general and, and having that kind of support system. Um, for me, the, the sign, I've always thought my parents were the best in the world ever since I was growing up, but the sign that really allowed me to realize that that was actually true was when I was actually going to pursue this journey. Uh, they wanted me to think about it. They wanted me to maybe go a different route. Um, but the moment I made my decision to go into this on my own, they turned from guides trying to direct me in the way that they thought was best to number one fans and number one supporters. It was, you know, five seconds before I said, Hey, I'm quitting my job to write a book and help people and be positive and all this good stuff. It was, I don't know if that's a great idea, but the second I said, okay, I'm doing it. It was, that's an amazing idea. What do we have to do to help? How are we going to make this happen? Right? So that's the kind of support that I had from my parents, from my brother, from my grandmas, from my friends. Um, great group of friends as well. I think that is super important. But then uh, I'll get into this because maybe it'll be helpful for listeners is uh, I love to pride myself on sort of creative networking. So I set some unique goals, right? And I'll give one example. I mentioned this guy, Hal Elrod, who wrote the book, The Miracle Morning. And when I wrote my book about about morning routines, I said, my goal is to have Hal Elrod's personal phone number in my contact list. So that was my goal. I wanted to learn from this man who was so inspirational to me, and he didn't even know who the heck I was, right? So over the course of the last, over the course of the last, so it's been a year and a half, I met Hal in August 
So whatever, like six months ago, uh, I started to really immerse myself on his email list. You know, I obviously read his book. I listened to his podcast. I read some of his other books. I listened to all the podcast interviews he was on. So I really know who this person was. And I was, I was following his journey, not only with his Miracle Morning, but also as a content creator, as a writer, as a speaker. I was doing all the things that he recommended. Um, so that was the first thing. And the second thing was I started to like comment on his Instagrams, on his LinkedIn page here and there. I would try to email back on his email list and wouldn't get responses right away. But then there was an opportunity that came about where sent out this email and he said out of his million person email list or however large it is, he said that he was going to offer six spots to people on his email list who had the best responses to this survey that he wanted people to fill out. And the six people would be invited to his mastermind group where he would have, where we would have the opportunity to meet with him, spend a whole couple of days with him and all these other people in the mastermind group who are also amazing in their own rights. So I spent a couple hours on this survey. I wrote some just bomb responses and Basically, I got a call from Hal Elrod within a matter of hours. Just was talking to him on the phone, had one of those like, wait, who is this kind of moments? And uh, was invited. I went, spent some time with him, spent some time with those other people, connected, reached out after. Um, you know, now I'm a part of his book launch team, his, his movie launch team. And, you know, I, I, his phone number is in my cell phone. So. That is the creative opportunities that I have pre presented for myself. And I try, to, um, I try to relay that story to other people because it's about, you know, how can you not go through the first door, not go through the second door, but get through the third door or even the fourth door of reaching out to somebody who really inspires you. So he's been a major influence of mine. And uh, I think just listening to everything he has to say and then actually hearing from him, you know, face to face. Um, I'm just, you know, totally entranced by his message and trying to relay similar ones to other people. I love it. I love it. And, and there's a, there's a wonderful sense of humility about you as well in that you. you, you're welcome in that you, you, you set yourself these goals, um, not really knowing what's going to happen. But actually, by taking those different steps and looking at things slightly differently, even when that has arrived and that moment has, has shown itself in this case, there's still an element of, have I really just had a conversation with <laughs> Al on the phone? Is this? Yeah, of course. And, 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 I, and I love that. And that, I think that's one of the things I connect with people the most is where they're they, they have that humility and mm -hmm. show that humbleness rather than, and we see a lot of this through social media, is, hey, look at me, I'm doing great, I know so-and-so. Yes. Um, yes. that, that, that doesn't really connect with me and doesn't really resonate with me, but, yeah. but, but you do. Um, Jordan, you, you've experienced quite a bit of success already in, in terms of your career, oh, well, I appreciate uh, although you might not view it that way. Uh, or, or it's only a, a step so far. You've yeah. uh, been a TEDx speaker. You found three companies, as you said earlier in the interview. Um, you authored uh, "Getting Comfy: Your Morning Guide to Happiness." What still surprises you 
when you speak to people or you go into organizations um, about what, what, what people see as challenges or what's going on right now? What surprises you with all that? Ooh, that is a tricky one. I love that question. Um, and, and thank you for saying that about me because I, I do view them as tremendous, tremendous successes. I, I realize that some people go their whole lives wanting to achieve this and I've done it at this age. But so yes, I'm truly grateful and appreciative for that. But uh, I was asked a question recently, like a loading bar, what am I at out of 100%? I think I'm only around my age. I think I'm only at 24%. I think I have so many more people to connect with, so many more conversations to have, so many more things to achieve and then help others achieve. So I think I'm, I'm taking the right steps, the right baby steps, but uh, there's a lot more for me to do. But anyway, back to your question. One thing that surprises me about different people who I've met and, and the challenges, I'll, I'll get to challenges in a second, but one thing that definitely still surprises me about all of the things that I'm doing is, is how much I still just genuinely love and appreciate other people right? It's like we get on the phone and I'm totally energized. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm a morning person and I help people overcome the snooze button. I had snooze for like 25 minutes this morning. It was just one of those mornings. I ate a heavy dinner last night, like woke up, the stomach wasn't feeling great, feeling a little groggy. But then I get on the phone and I, and I see this smiling face, right? And it's just like, this is what I love. This is, this is every single day I have a, a conversation with a new person. And it just totally revitalizes my, my ambitions, right? And my beliefs. So that is something that still surprises me that I can literally speak to thousands upon thousands of people um, per year. And each and every one has something else to bring to the table, right? So that's what I just love about humanity. Challenges that people are facing now, I think what surprises me most is that we still have this desire to chase something that feels safe, that feels normal, that feels stable, right? So the question that I get the most is like, aren't you scared? Or like, what do you do for money? Or like, what, how do you, I'm, I would love to do what you're doing, but I'm just so, so nervous about it. Like I couldn't leave my job. And my answer, my answer to that is always just, you know, like, what's holding you back? Why? Why not? And the responses I get are, you know, I have a steady paycheck or I wouldn't be okay with the uncertainty. So that's what surprised me most is, is especially with more and more of these entrepreneurs, more of these stories out there. I think it's still kind of mind boggling that people would be so afraid of uncertainty. And I understand it. I totally get it. It takes a certain type of person and a certain type of courage to go about and do something different. But I think that in order to start exploring uncertainty, like I mentioned before, it is about exploring curiosities. So being uh, mitigating the risk involved, I think you can really explore uncertainty and curiosity in a safe way, right? So if you're somebody who uh, doesn't want to leave their job right away, you can explore uncertainty and, curi and have curiosities by doing something after hours, right? Doing something on the weekend. And really, you know, you're going to have to make a sacrifice, right? Like maybe it's that, uh, that dinner that you wanted to get with a friend and, and drink and go out on a Wednesday, Thursday night, but maybe you'll have to give that up. But it is in order to try something different, do something new and see if the uncertainty is for you, right? So I think people are too 
still playing it too safe in the ways that they are now. I think that definitely surprises me, especially with entrepreneurship becoming more of like a celebrity status. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I see it and hear it and feel it when I speak to individuals or go into organizations and you're able to draw bits of information out of people and you think there's something there. They, they, they want to go and explore it, but they, they're not sure how or they're unsure where to start. Or indeed, mm. in some cases, they've, they've got that fear around how do I replace this uh, with, with a different life? And I have to say, in, in the four years that I've been working for myself, mm-hmm. a number of people that have subsequently gone and worked for themselves uh-huh. and have a, a, a sense of freedom uh, attached to that and they're doing the stuff that they really want to do, that's what surprised me. It, it's happening, but I think it, it's, it's slow in happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, Jordan, what have you not done so far in your life that potentially you might see as your next challenge? Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. I have not yet. There's a lot that I want to achieve, but it's all like, you know, around writing books and starting things. And I have not yet. Oh, this is a boring answer, but I don't want to leave you hanging for too long waiting for me to think of something good. But I have not yet come out with my first fiction novel, right? So basically the background is my first book was like a pretty traditional self-help. It was very anecdotal, but it was still self-help, personal growth and development, that type of world. And as you can tell, I have fully dove very deep into that world for the last year and a half. But for me, you know, I've never been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I get bored pretty quickly. So maybe you think a year is a long time. Maybe you think a year is a short amount of time, but I have the knowledge in this world has sort of gotten a little bit stale to me, right? So what I want to do for other people is I want to allow to, I want to give them some self-help principles, but present them in a more creative, more energetic, more meaningful way. So that's why I'm going to be writing fiction from here on out. So that book that I mentioned in the beginning, The Journey to Cloud Nine, that's a fictional story, right? Where the purpose is, yes, to show how to live a, a Cloud Nine life, but also it's for people to make their own conclusions and observations based on the story. It's not for me to sit here and say, you have to do this, this, and this to live a good life, really. It's more so for, for them to interpret, for the reader to interpret for her himself. So I want to come out with that first fiction book. It's in, the, it's in the works right now. You know, going through, I'm almost about to sign on with a publisher, and then it'll go through editing, and then it'll, you know, hopefully within six to nine months be out and ready for people to read. But um, I'd say that is the number one thing right now because for me, I want to keep writing these types of fictional stories where they are digestible, they are fun, they make you smile, they make you cry, they make you laugh, they make you think. Um, That's really what it's all about. So for me, that first step into that fiction book writing world is what I really want to come out with. And it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. It sounds fascinating. And as you're describing that, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking about the alchemist. Yeah. And, and I'm also yeah. thinking about the monk who sold his Ferrari. Uh, oh, I haven't read that. I need to. 
by Robin Sharma. Well, that was how I first came across Robin Sharma. Mm -hmm. Subsequently then gone on and written lots of what I would call business uh, self-development type books. But, mm -hmm. but it was through it was through a story like The Alchemist um, mm -hmm. that, that drew me into yeah. that way of thinking. Yeah. And, and almost without telling people or the readers what the message is, allowing them to take whatever message they want to or need to uh, at the yep. point of reading the book. That yeah. sounds or fascinating. The, or The Secret. Have you read The Secret? Yeah, yeah, I've read The Secret. And yeah, so those kinds of books, full disclosure, I actually have not read The Alchemist or The Secret or The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. But my, my person in that world, my favorite writer of all time is Mitch Albom. Have you heard yeah. of any of his books? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so The Five People You Meet in Heaven, Tuesdays with Maury, which is actually nonfiction, but it's still storytelling. Um, you know, those kinds of books. The Next Person You Meet in Heaven, like For One More Day, Have a Little Faith. These kinds of books where it's clearly an illustration of how you should go about living your life. But it's so engaging. It's so readable. It's so fun yeah. to fully get into the story that you're not thinking that you're reading self-help or personal growth, but you really are at the end of the day. It, it, it's true. It's very clever. And it, it's reminded me, I must, I must go back and read some of those um, books by Mitch Alburn because again, they, they really resonated with me and left me pondering and thinking differently and, and taking different messages. So no, mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Jordan, I have what I call some, uh, guest favorite 60 second questions towards yes. the end of each interview this is really just to give my listeners a slightly different uh, feel and, and view of each guest so are you ready to answer some quick fire questions these are my favorite let's do it good man um who or what inspires you the most my mom i suspected that might be the <laughs> uh, three guests to have to dinner past or present Ooh. Um, Mitch Albom, Dale Carnegie, and Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. So someone else <laughs> this morning mentioned well, Dale Carnegie. Um, yeah. I, I've not had Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal as a guest. Uh -huh. That's interesting. Yeah, um, he was my, my favorite growing up, you know, for somebody to achieve that much success and have that big of a physical presence, you know, his, his personality is just, it's so wonderful. It seems, I don't know, but. I think great. it would be great. Great choice. A guilty pleasure, should you view it that way, um, which you do when you have some time to yourself? Um, guilty pleasure. Cookie dough. Cookie, the ice cookie cream? Cookie or? dough. Yeah. No, like <laughs> no. raw cookie dough. Like, <laughs> like I could get salmonella type cookie dough. I could eat a full <laughs> carton of cookie dough. <laughs> okay that that's not going to be healthy <laughs> no it's it's definitely not but if i'm like not watching myself if i got a cheat day it's you know i'm making i'm baking fresh baked cookies but i'm also eating a couple of you know raw ones as well <laughs> brilliant um a book and or a podcast that you would recommend a uh, book i'm gonna go fiction route mitch album obviously magic strings of frankie presto it's one of his more less read, but my favorite book at the moment. And then a podcast that I recommend. Um, I'll do two. First one is the nonfiction, like personal growth and development side on purpose with Jay Shetty. It's a new one. 
uh, newer one. And then I have actually gotten into a huge true crime podcast binge. So I just listened to a true crime podcast called um, Dirty John. And it's really great. You know, you learn a lot about the human mind in that podcast. It's not all just for fun. Um, So yeah, I'll do those. I'll have to check those out. What's your one tip for improving overall well-being? got a lot um number one first and foremost ah i hate to be like everybody else but it is just so important um okay i won't say gratitude i'll say perspective perspective uh going through experiences that allow you to realize how good you do actually have it um how much worse there is in the world and whether that is actually doing it yourself reading about it watching films about it documentaries about it uh just realizing how much there is in this world, how much good, how much bad, and then moving forward, being grateful for where you are in your life and what you actually do have. Nice, nice. Who would you recommend as a future guest on the Perfect Imbalance podcast? Ooh, like that one. Um, I really think that you should talk to, I'm going to keep it within my network, so you might not even know who this person is, but uh, I have a buddy up in Canada whose name is Danny Forrest. And he has this amazing story. He's like a seven-time entrepreneur. He's about 32 years old. And um, he he says it himself. Like, he was the most selfish person in the world. And then he realized that if he adds value to other people, how much more he gains out of it. So it's like he's still selfish in a way, but he's adding so much value to others that it's like, it's okay, right? So he would be a really cool guy to talk to. Another great writer, great talker. Um, software engineer by trade, uh, just a really interesting guy. So, okay. I think, <laughs> I think it'd be fascinating and, and I'm always yeah. open to, you know, reaching out to, to my network and, and mm-hmm. who's out there. How can the listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Journey to cloud9.com journey to cloud com. I'll keep it super simple. The, the biggest ask that I would have is to hop onto the email list, throw your email in there, and I promise you, every Tuesday and Thursday, you get a 90-second video. That is it. It's no newsletter, no selling, nothing like that. This is all for you guys just to get your daily dose of happiness. So that 90-second video is a conversation that I've had, an interview that I've had with somebody else where they describe their Cloud9 moment, and it's just a way for them to really bask in the happiest that they've ever felt in their lives. So do that, please head over to the journey to cloud9.com. You can learn more about me, learn more about cloud nine, the book, the interviews, the people who are living their cloud nine lives. And then last but not least, um, my email and my phone number, I believe are all over the internet, the internet on my LinkedIn, on my website. I answer every single thing that comes into my inbox. So Feel free to reach out if you ever want to talk more. Um, I'm always happy to. Brilliant. I'll include those with, within the show notes as well, Jordan. Thank now, you. What, what's your final takeaway for the listeners? My final takeaway for the listeners is this. Um, do not be afraid to be different. Do not be afraid to be weird. Uh, and live, live your life According to this phrase, I just heard Ed Milet is a huge proponent of this phrase, but um, 
my greatest fear in life is that on the last day on this earth, the person who I became will meet the person who I could have become. And it terrifies me to think that I can go about living my life and going through the motions or feeling safe or feeling average and then ultimately getting to that point where I could have been this amazing, inspiring individual, but I ended up being this sort of, you know, just normal guy, right? And I never want to feel normal and I never want you guys out there to feel normal. So do what you love, make it happen, explore your curiosities. And uh, that's how you can live your, your true cloud nine life. Brilliant. So inspiring and thought provoking at the same time. Jordan, thank you so much indeed for connecting and then agreeing to come on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend a little bit of time with you today and to understand some of the great stuff that you're either doing or you're uncovering through the people that you meet and the work that you do. So thank you very much indeed for for agreeing to come on the show. Jeff, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you more. Like I said, being willing to reach out to somebody takes a really special person. So I love this show. I love what you're doing. Loved chatting with you. And uh, thank you so much again. It was really a wonderful talk. Now, if you enjoyed the show, please do check out the details in the show notes on how you connect with Jordan, either via his Twitter account or indeed through LinkedIn. Please leave the show a rating and a short review on iTunes. Check out some of the other episodes with inspirational guests, including Cody Royal, Jim Lawless, Sarah Williams, Kate Richardson-Walsh and Ian Bray, to name a few. Tune in next time for the 50th episode of Perfect Imbalance, where I share my interview with the amazing Amy Bateman, the force behind Career Cake. Until then, remember this. When you have a balance, enjoy it. When you've got an imbalance, embrace it. For in those moments, you're striving towards achieving your next success, increasing your happiness, or looking for greater fulfillment. Bye for now.